You know, it's it's weird. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to feel. I know how to feel about this Israel thing. I don't know what to what to hope for with our country. I mean, we can't send them armaments. We can't only because we've already sent everything we have over to Ukraine. You know, they can buy them, I suppose, and we can make more, but we're already so far behind in our stash. I mean, if if you were China, the minute the United States would get involved in one of these two conflicts, why wouldn't you take Taiwan? What, we're going to fight in Ukraine, in Israel, and Taiwan? No. No. No, we're not. No. Elections have such consequences. This is the most We're paying for it. Yeah, this is the most consequential election of my life. We don't have the armaments. We can't hit the numbers of recruitment. We don't have the oil, the fuel. We don't have the money to replenish it. We have. We got nothing. It's amazing how fast this thing has has uh, gone down. I think the next election uh, might be our last. So hurry. Figure out who to vote for. Uh, Our podcast today brought to you by Relief Factor. Relief Factor is a great way to lose the pain that you might have. If your pain is caused by inflammation, and most pain is, most of our disease is also right directly from inflammation. Why don't you try Relief Factor? I know it probably is not going to work for you. That's what I thought. 70% of the people who have ordered Relief Factor go on to order more month after month. Over a million people have tried Relief Factor. I know I didn't think it would work, and I take it every day because it does work for me. ReliefFactor.com, 800, the number four, Relief, 800, the number four, Relief. It's ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. The accusation is that Iran's posture, excuse me, that the U.S., your administration's posture towards Iran has helped contribute to this. I want to get you, give you a chance to respond. Well, there are two things here. First, with regard to the the funds that you mentioned um, that um, uh, were released to, were made available to Iran for humanitarian purposes. Uh, as part of uh, getting Americans back who are being held and detained in Iran. Let's be very clear about this. And it's deeply unfortunate that some are playing politics when so many lives have been lost and Israel remains under attack. Uh, The facts are these. No U.S. uh, taxpayer dollars were involved. These were Iranian resources uh, that uh, Iran had accumulated from the sale of its oil uh, that were stuck in a bank in South Korea. They have had from day one, under our law, under our sanctions, the right to use these monies for humanitarian purposes. Okay, so so now they've gone from no that six billion was not uh uh-uh. now it is but that wasn't U.S. taxpayer dollars that six billion that wasn't that's what he's saying there that the six billion dollars was held in a foreign bank the United States held it back we released it to them but that was their money to do with what they want 
So we didn't directly contribute to the murder and rape of these I citizens? Think that's what he's oh, saying. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. What a wonderful policy. Yeah. So, uh, former State Department special advisor for Iran and Polaris National Security Executive Director is Gabriel Norona. And he is uh, with us now. Is it, Gabriel, is that is that what he was saying there? He is actually claiming that when we give $6 billion to terrorists, it all gets used for food and medicine. And let me tell you, I would like to sell that guy a bridge uh, because if he believes that, it's, it's simply, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I've worked on Iran's budget for five years. That's not how this works. It's when you get $6 billion in your savings account, you can draw down from your checkings account really, really easily. Yep. And that's exactly what's happened here. So it is ridiculous to think that they would not pull from another. You get $6 billion. Great. Pull from another account. Exactly what you said. Is there any doubt in your mind that uh, that $6 billion gift uh, from the Biden administration uh, uh, spurred this on or helped this go through? You know, one thing that's really interesting is the Wall Street Journal has reported that in August, Iran started planning and ultimately approved these attacks. August is exactly when the Biden administration announced that they were going to give Iran the $6 billion. Um, I, I don't think that is a coincidence. And here's why. Because Iran has been looking for currency stability. They've been looking for financial stability. And they didn't, haven't had that recently. Their economy has been up and down. But this infusion of cash gave them the confidence that they could say, hey, we know that we can backfill our bank accounts. Um, and so these decisions are not made in a vacuum. Um, they are made after you look at all the factors and you say, you know what, we've gotten everything that we want from the U.S. now. Now we can go and, and carry out these attacks and we don't have to worry about annoying the United States. Um, so absolutely, um, this is connected. Um, and frankly, it's really interesting that the Biden administration is going out on TV actively saying, Hey, uh, this is all, this is all nonsense. You're all making things up. And it's really because their Iran policy has failed. They're trying to cover up for the fact that, uh, they have given billions and billions of dollars away, not just the 6 billion, but tens of billions of dollars through oil sales. Um, they are now Iran is exporting, uh, 2 million barrels of oil per day at something like 85, you know, dollars a barrel. That is an enormous amount of money that goes straight to the IRGC, which is Iran's terror arm. Um, Republicans and even some Democrats have been criticizing them for this. Um, and so they feel this administration feels extremely uh, vulnerable on this. And so they're going on TV and saying, nope, Iran had nothing to do with this. How, how close to a nuclear weapon are they? So there's two parts to this. They are about 10 days away from having the fissile material for a bomb. That's all that uranium at a highly enriched level. But they are still quite a ways away from actually being able to take that uranium and make it a, a functioning bomb that can explode. That's more like nine months, maybe a year away. Um, so we should, be a, we should be concerned, but we don't have to worry that something's about to explode tomorrow. So Iran has... We suspect they haven't admitted it yet, um, but they we suspect them uh, of being involved. According to The Wall Street Journal, they were. Um, they have said that if 
Israel puts boots on the ground in Gaza, they will get involved. What is our response to this, do you suppose? You know, when I was working for Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, we had a pretty clear policy. We said to Iran, if you or any of your proxies, like Hamas or Hezbollah, touch a hair on the head of an American citizen, we will hold you, Iran, responsible for this. Now, what we've seen is these attacks have killed nine Americans. Uh, Now, I'm not saying there should be U.S. boots on the ground anywhere, but we can do something to Iran that makes them pay for for what they did and makes clear to them they do not get to threaten Israel. There are 200,000 Americans living in Israel today. Um, We are not going to accept this, and, and we will put our foot down. Um, right now, President, you know, Secretary Blinken is out there calling for ceasefires and de-escalation. Let me tell you, if if the United Kingdom or any country after 9-11, yep. on September 13th, had said, hey, we, we call for de-escalation, we call for a ceasefire, we would have told them to, you know what. Um, the idea that after 700 of your daughters and sons are massacred, after your grandparents are massacred in their homes, that we should de-escalate or have restraint that that is an incredible statement to me and so uh, no israel deserves to have its defense they deserve to defend themselves as long as it takes however they see fit they are a democracy they can make these decisions themselves how do you deal with an enemy that cannot uh live next to you i mean all of the charters hezbollah uh hamas um, Iran is deeply into this uh, Jew hatred. When they say they are going to annihilate Israel and they will destroy and kill every Jew, they mean it. So they do, and and I think you know what? If there's one thing that the last century taught us, it's that we should believe dictators when they tell us that they're going to do something, when they tell us their plans and intentions. We should take them at face value. And, and so one thing I've heard a lot in the last two days is a lot of people who were supportive of the two-state solution simply coming around and saying, you know what, I just don't believe in that anymore. I just don't see how that's possible after they've done something like this. Um, we'll see how that evolves. Um, but to me, this changes everything. This, this changes last 50 years of Israeli politics. I do not think we can go back uh, I don't think the Israeli po- political body can go back to this and and uh, treat like this like this didn't happen and there's some path to a two state solution anymore. I think that's I think that's gone. I think that there's plenty of people in Washington that would love to disagree with you on that. There's plenty of people in Washington that are. Uh, I think this administration has a lot of them in the internal machine that are not fans of Israel. And uh, will not want to will not want to help them. You're absolutely right, and that's you know one one evidence for that is uh, the first tweet that came out of the Biden administration is the State Department's Office of Palestinian Affairs, um, and again right after Israelis had been massacred, they were calling for restraint and de-escalation. Um, look, I, I worked with a lot of diplomats. There's a lot of really fine Americans there. There's also a lot of, uh, of rot in that system where they don't understand, um, they don't have moral clarity on these issues. And it's really unfortunate that we see that. Um, 
And I think Israel is perhaps their major blind spot of anywhere in the world, um, having this sort of intellectual both sidesism that both sides are, the, are, are at fault. No, one side here is, is going and, and killing 260 young people at music festivals. Um, that's barbarian. Um, there's nothing civilized about it. Um, and they and they shouldn't be treated um, like normal combatants because they're not. So, do you think they've shot their wad here? Is this is this it, or are there more things you think coming? What I'm really concerned about is the northern front uh, of Hezbollah starting to um, yes. make inroads. Uh, what we've just seen is Israel's reported that um, operatives have infiltrated the northern border. They are urging Israeli civilians to stay inside their homes, to lock their doors. Um, Israel's military is, is gearing up for a fight. I hope and we should all hope and pray that nothing happens there. Um, but there's a really significant possibility that this turns into a multi-front war, um, kind of like we saw 50 years ago in the Yom Kippur War. Um, if that happens, it is an existential threat for the state of Israel. Um, it's one I believe they will win. Um, but it will be extremely painful uh, and and costly in human lives. Iran wants to see that war happen. They want to see Israel destroyed, and they want to have other people do it themselves. And that's why we can't treat Iran as just, you know, another guy out on the street. You have to hold them responsible. Um, The head of Saudi Arabia once called them the head of the snake, and that's what you have to treat them as. So the – but Iran is now an ally with Russia – uh, I mean, you can see a global kind of war shaping up if everybody starts to get involved. No? Um, it's possible. Look, I don't think the U.S. wants boots on the ground. I don't think Russia wants boots on the ground to China. Um, but it's clear which side each of these are on. Russia and China are putting out statements basically um, saying both sides are to blame. Iran, of course, is on the wrong side. It really is up to the United States. Um, Israel has always had to rely just on the United States and just on itself. Europe, you know, I've been surprised European countries have been a little bit better than I thought they would be. Um, It will last for only a little bit, though. As soon as Israel starts retaliating, as they have every right to, you're going to start seeing signs from the Europeans saying, oh, we need to de-escalate. Oh, we we condemn this violence. Oh, yeah. that's that's just how it's going to happen. So Israel's defense minister has just ordered a complete siege of Gaza. So that uh, that uh, sentiment that you were just talking about is going to start very, very soon. Um, thank you so much, Gabriel. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for paying attention to these things and all the work that you did um, earlier with Iran. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Tom. You bet. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. So I have for years, um, probably since 2008 or nine, I started doing research on Iran and the Twelvers. And we've gone through this before. The Twelvers are the ones that believe in the Twelfth Imam. The 12th Imam, after the death of the uh, Prophet Muhammad, crawled into a well because he needed to be protected from those who wanted to kill him. 
So he was a little boy. He crawled into a well. And they still, these Twelvers, believe that someday he's going to crawl out of that well and he's going to lead the march. And uh, he'll be part of what we know as the apocalypse. He will be he'll be on the march and he'll be with what, again, we know as the Antichrist. They say that that's the good guy. We say it's the bad guy. The Twelvers are the most dangerous Muslim uh, sect out there. They're so dangerous that the Ayatollah Khomeini in 1979 outlawed Twelvers. The problem with that is elections have consequences. Almost everybody now in the regime in Iran is a Twelver. So the first thing you have to do is take these religious people very seriously and literally. They believe they can hasten the return of the promised one by washing the world in blood. Their scriptural words, not mine. That they are going to bring the fires of the Islamic fury to Israel. And when they kill all of the Jews, the promised one will come. We are also known to them as the great Satan. They are serious about destroying Israel and us. Try not to think of that open border where about 4 million people are coming through. So where did this come from? The hatred for the Jews in the Middle East has been going on for a very long time. But there's one guy who is great at propaganda who really solidified the nationalism, if you will, of the Palestinians. His name, uh, his name was Haj Amin al-Husani. He was the Grand Mufti back in the 20s and the 30s of Jerusalem. So he's the kingpin. And he starts hearing things uh, about Hitler and Hitler coming to power. And he loves it. He thinks this guy has got it down. Remember, he's a nationalist. Hitler is also a nationalist. But... He thinks he can work with Hitler because they both hate Jews. So he went up to Berlin and he stayed in Berlin from 1941 to 1945. And he became friends and was seen at the Reich uh, Chancellery. The first, the first thing he did was ask Hitler for a public statement or a secret but formal treaty. What he was looking for was a pledge not to occupy Arab land to 
recognize the Arabs strive for uh, independence and three support the removal of the proposed Jewish homeland in Palestine. Well, Hitler was like, there can't be a two state solution here. Now, remember, this is before Israel even exists. So it's not like we're oppressed by this Jewish state. What his goal was, was to get rid of all of the Jews in the same way that Hitler wanted to get rid of all of the Jews. So this is before the state of Israel, which the Palestinians say is the problem. No, it's not the problem. And anyone who says that they will go for a two-state solution doesn't understand the history and also doesn't understand the religiosity of this problem. So, Hitler confirmed that the struggle against a Jewish homeland in Palestine would be part of the struggle against the Jews. And he said, quote, he would continue the struggle until the complete destruction of the Jewish communist European empire. And when the German army was in proximity to the Arab world, Germany would issue an assurance to the Arab world that the hour of liberation was at hand. It would then be al Husani's responsibility to unleash Arab action that he had prepared. The Fuhrer stated that Germany would not intervene in any eternal Arab matters and that only the only German goal at the time would be the annihilation of Jews. Again, his name was Haj Amin. And his role in shaping Muslim perception of Jews is probably the most important thing that he did in his life. He also was the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood. But him shaping the views of Arabs, uh, of Arabs' minds when they look at a Jew comes from him. He did political activism in Palestine, in Germany, and he was also a writer. And he wrote a little booklet, uh, and he made it for Muslim uh, soldiers that would enlist in a very special Nazi SS division in Bosnia. When he was in with Hitler, he spent time with Heinrich Himmler. Himmler had a fascination with Islam and the zealous support for the Nazi cause from the Grand Mufti. They started talking about common interests and enterprises. And that led to the all-volunteer Waffen-SS division in Bosnia, made up mostly of Bosnian Muslims. This is, if you happen to be watching, I'll describe it if you're not, this is a Fez. Now, Fez is associated with Arabs. This is a Fez from World War II. This is a Fez from that Muslim division that the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem started with Hitler. And you can see it has the eagle on it and the death skull. And it is green. Um, 
instead of red has a black tassel on it. But what's inside is uh, important as well. Uh, you can't see it. I don't think I can get the light to shine in it bright enough. But it's where they where this hat was made that's important. This particular hat was made in Dachau by the Jews. So while they were interned and being brutalized and killed, they were also forced to make the Muslim hat, the fez, that the SS officers from uh, the Arab descent would wear. This went on and on. Some people say that um, it was his idea to have the death camps, but more likely it was Himmler talking to him about the death camps because he wanted to build them all over the Middle East. When the war was over with Germany, then Germany would help them build death camps for Jews all over the Middle East and get rid of them there. When they say, we are, for instance, this is the great day of the greatest battle to end the last occupation on earth. That is the Hamas commander over the weekend. This is the day of the greatest battle to end the last occupation on earth. When they speak like that, you have to take them seriously and know what they're talking about. There is a battle called Al-Mamahet Al-Kubra, and I'm sure I'm saying that right. It is a great battle, one of the greatest battles, to end the last occupation on Earth. It is an end times battle, according to Muslim eschatology it's the greatest battle and it has considerable atrocities and killing a bloody conflict and massacre and it goes against israel and all those who fight with them when we're talking about Ukraine, yes, we're talking about evil. Russia comes in and slaughters women and children, and it's evil. And I believe there is evil all over the world. But when you talk about going up against Israel with these particular people, Iran, Hamas, Palestinians, and Hezbollah, you are talking actual biblical evil. They don't see themselves as that. But I have spent years comparing the two end time philosophies. And their bad guy is our good guy. And our good guy is their bad guy. I mean, listen, listen to this. This is... Uh, from a forum in the Middle East where they were talking about um, the Grand Mufti. 
I found this today and I start to read them like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, they just they want a two state solution. Listen to this. For us Muslims, it is unworthy to utter the word Islam in the same breath with Judaism, since Islam stands high over its adversary. Therefore, it would be wrong to carry out compassion of those two generally different counterpoints or comparison. Um, unfortunately, it is insufficiently known that animosity between Islam and Judaism is not of recent date. It reaches long back in history, all the way to the time of the prophet Muhammad. I'd say it actually goes back to Abraham, but that's just me. This short historic overview will demonstrate the importance uh, and perfidiousness of Jewry and its animosity toward the founder of Islam. Now listen how they start this. Jews are known in history only as a subjugated people. Their vulgar nature and insufferable stance towards nations that offered them any hospitality and toward their neighboring nations are the reason that those same nations had to resort to certain measures in order to suppress a Jew's efforts to obtain his desire by force. The history of antiquity shows us the pharaohs were already forced to use all means against Jewish usury and Jewish immorality. Ancient Egyptians finally expelled the Jews from their land. Led by Moses, the Jews then arrived at the Sinai Desert, um, and uh, they wanted to kill their leader and their savior, Moses, when he came back from Mount Sinai. Because of that, God punished them, and they had to meander in the wilderness for 40 years. Following that, listen to this, the Jews spread out like locusts all over the Arab Peninsula. They came to Mecca, to Medina, to Iraq, to Palestine, which is the land of milk and honey. When this is one of your educational tools on history and you refer to people as a locust and a plague of locusts, I don't think you have a lot of compassion there. And compassion is what you're going to start hearing. Right now, you can't talk about uh, this, this weekend without knowing that the many of those who were killed were not killed in bombs from Gaza. These terrorists went over into homes and shot families execution style. Then they took as many as 700 uh, people and kidnapped them. What they're doing with them or plan to do with them is his God only knows. But they were brutally killing and dragging naked bodies through the streets. That's not somebody who just wants a two state solution. And as Israel decides that they are going to, now they have said that they are going to bring in uh, their troops into Gaza. Iran says that'll be a trigger point for them. Gog and Magog. What are those two ancient lands? Russia and Iran. Never before have they been allies. They are allies right now. When those two descend on Israel, trouble begins.
You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Alan, uh, I thought of you uh, all weekend and um, every Jew on the planet this weekend, especially those directly in the line of fire in um, in Israel. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks. You know, it was just uh, 10 days ago or so that I had a three-hour dinner with Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, and we talked about all the threats that uh, Israel was facing, but nobody, nobody could have imagined this, raping, raping Jewish women, killing Jewish babies, and Harvard Law students are supporting it. Harvard Law students are supporting it. A group of about 30 Harvard Jewish, uh, Harvard organizations uh, has supported Hamas and said this is all the blame of Israel. Women being raped is the fault of of Israel. Uh, Barack Obama hasn't said an effing word about this. Um, uh, you can imagine if if this were directed against any other minority. No, uh, the president of Harvard hasn't said a word uh, about this. The president of Yale. Uh, there's a demonstration today of Yale students. Um, City University of New York Law School. Uh, students uh, put all the blame for this on Israel. These are our future leaders. These are the people today who are being educated to become the heads of our legislative, executive, and judicial branch, the heads of the New York Times. We are a country in moral crisis when you get our future leaders defending rapists and murderers and putting the blame on innocent people who just went to a a concert. But let's remember where the real focus is. The real villain here is Iran. Iran put them up to it. We now know from Wall Street Journal reporting that there were meetings in Lebanon in which Iran gave them the green light, told them to go forward. And this will never end unless there's regime change in Iran. And the first step that should be taken is for the United States and Israel together with the fleet that is now approaching uh, the eastern uh, Mediterranean to destroy Iran's nuclear reactor. They cannot come out of this thing a winner. Iran must come out of this thing losing its most valuable weapon, the nuclear arsenal. The United States and Israel and Saudi Arabia all would like to see Iran's uh, nuclear arsenal destroyed. This is the time to do it because the world will finally understand that Iran is behind all this and that, you know, Hamas and Hezbollah are puppets, mere surrogates that just do the bidding of this horrible, horrible Nazi regime in Iran that will never be satisfied with the two-state solution, with the end of the occupation. They want Israel wiped Wiped off. off the map and every single Israeli Jew murdered. And if there was ever, ever proof of that it's this horrible genocide so more people were killed uh this weekend more jews were killed than during kristallnacht and uh you know we keep forgetting that harvard places like harvard were a center of nazi support during the 1930s oh yeah Uh, harvard university welcomed uh nazis gave them honorary degrees columbia Uh, university uh, did the same same and and italian fascists too columbia university uh, named a uh, an Italian center in support of, of, of Mussolini. So, you know, do not count on American academic institutions. They produce our leaders. That's a problem, not a solution. So, Alan, I, 
I, I, I hate to say it, but I think that um, America is, you're right, we're in a moral crisis right now. How well, you can watch well, this and not be just horrified at what you saw. But I, I believe, now Stu said it would take a few days or maybe even a week or so, but I, I believe as soon as that number becomes more uh, people killed uh, in Palestine than they slaughtered in uh, Israel, I think people are going to immediately say, okay, okay, that's enough. Now you're being a bully. No, well, I, I mean, I don't know here, what yeah. the number is or how you're going to wipe this out, but Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, those regimes have got to go. They've got to go, or you're never going to have any kind of peace. You're right, but already there are people calling for a ceasefire. I know. You know with, with almost 1,000 Israelis, maybe even more, murdered, and perhaps as many as 100 held in hostage, they're calling for a ceasefire. Uh, let them first arrange for all the hostages to be sent back, then call for a ceasefire. But don't call for a ceasefire while there are 100 uh, Israelis and some Americans and some people from other countries, Brits and other countries, that are being held hostage. And these are not soldiers. These are uh, young women, babies, Holocaust survivors, people my age. Um, uh, I wish I were young enough to go to Israel and fight for them, because uh, this is an existential battle, not only for the survival of the nation state of the Jewish people, but for the survival of, of, of democratic Western Judeo-Christian values, which are which are at stake here. Uh, you know, the, the head Mullah recently said uh, Israel's first, but uh, oh, yeah. they're not the last. Christianity is being attacked all over the Middle East by uh, radical Muslims who will not rest until every Jew and every Christian is dead uh, or converted. Uh, So, you know, this is this is a fight for for the survival of everything that we believe in. And America and Israel not only must stand together. But uh, all Americans must stand together. Barack Obama has to get up and make a statement. Yeah, he's going to lose some friends among the Hamas people. Uh, The (laughs) squad, the evil squad uh, must stand up uh, in support of American and Israeli values. But they won't. Uh, The Harvard students, the Yale students, the City University of New York. I went to that university. I went to Brooklyn College. It was a great place. It was a free school for children of immigrants. Today, it's a radical hotbed of of progressive woke and even communist uh, uh involvement where everything is the fault of and by the way they don't care about israel everything is the fault of america we're the villains you know we're the big satan according to the students at the um uh the at, at the city university of new york paid for by me and you by taxpayer money federal and state money these are students and faculty and deans that are calling for the destruction of Israel. You know, the faculty at City University of New York, the faculty of the law school, unanimously voted for a boycott against Israel. Um, that's the faculty of, of a major law school in New York City. I mean, we are in a crisis of, uh, of unknown dimensions, and, and we, have to, we have to fight back with all of our moral force. We have the majority, but we are silent. It's it's the 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 hundreds of students at these major universities 
that are speaking out, the thousands and tens of thousands uh, who support the United States and support Israel. Let's remember here, this was as much an attack on the United States as it was in Israel. The Israelis are the victims directly, but this was an attempt to try to destroy efforts by the United States to bring about peace between uh, the Saudis, the United States, and Israel. And so this is a direct attack on the United States. I, I will tell you, Ellen, I, I am... I am with you on everything you you say on this. Israel is our closest and our best ally, I believe. Um, the there's all kinds of biblical reasons to support uh, Israel and stand on their side. But I am so concerned that our military has been so degraded. We are out of cash. We we are we've used seven years of our missiles and sent them over to uh, Ukraine. It'll take us seven years to be able to manufacture them and get them back online. And, uh, and now we're now we're now six billion dollars to, yeah. to the terrorist regime of Tehran. First of all, there should immediately be a lawsuit brought by relatives of the victims uh, of this terror, particularly Americans. There are many Americans who were, who were killed and, and captured. Lawsuits brought to freeze the $6 billion and use it to compensate uh, the victims of the Iranian hostilities. There's no reason why they should be able to get one penny. And Secretary of State Blinken, who does he think he's fooling when he says, oh, this money isn't going to weapons, it's going to, to food. Uh, Iran's a rich country. They don't need our money to get them food and medicine, they can afford that. Just divert a little bit of it away from their terrorism and toward um, toward really humanitarian right. issues. So not a single penny should be allowed to be unfrozen and given to uh, Iran. And we have to stop that. Uh, lawsuits should be bought, brought, and I would be happy to cooperate in any such lawsuit uh, to freeze that money and make sure not a penny of it goes to support further terrorist acts. When you pay $6 billion dollars, to release an American uh, uh, hostage, uh, what you're s simply doing is raising the price uh, for hostage taking, and there'll be more hostage taking. Uh, that's been the history. I wrote a book many years ago called Why Terrorism Works, and the answer was very simple, because we pay for it. Right. We reward it, and Iran is the winner here. They're sitting there in Tehran, and they're gloating, and they're laughing, while uh, Israelis and Palestinians Mothers and children are suffering. They don't care. Not a single Iranian has been killed uh, in this. They're the winners, and we can't allow them to be the winners. I have an article on today's uh, New York Post saying that the only answer is to hold Iran completely responsible for this and treat them as if they were the ones who came but to that art festival and raped and murdered uh, innocent people. This is one of the reasons, though, that I haven't voted for a Democrat uh, especially recently, the the whole Iranian uh, um, uh, bill that they passed and that Donald Trump brought back. I mean, it, 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 they've they've lost their mind on Middle East politics, in my opinion. And I, I, look, I know I, that you agree you, with you. I know I agree with you. But uh, look, I want to commend President Biden for the statement he made yesterday. It was a wholehearted, full throated statement in support, sending the Gerald Ford uh, group uh, of aircraft carrier uh, into the Middle East is a good thing. So I don't want to make this into a, um, a partisan issue. I want Americans of all political stripes to su support it and marginalize the Barack Obamas 
who won't uh, say anything. I-, I bet you Barack Obama will say something. I mean, his people will call him and say, look, you're being attacked, you're being criticized. He'll probably make some mealy mouth statement. But Barack Obama is one of the great villains of this piece. Um, uh, you know, he called me into the Oval Office just before his second election. And he said, Alan, you know me for a long time. You know, I was a teacher. He was a student at Harvard. He said, you know, I have Israel's back. What I didn't realize is that he was painting a target on it and uh, allowing Israel to be used as the scapegoat. As he was leaving office, he gave one last uh, goodbye present to Israel. He allowed the United Nations to declare the Security Council, with the United States vote, to declare the Western Wall the holiest place of Judaism, something that's been part of Judaism for thousands of years, to declare that legally occupied territory, uh, the Hadassah Hospital, uh, the Hebrew University, all of which he, Barack Obama, allowed to be called uh, illegally occupied territory. Shame on him. Alan, uh, best of luck. Um, so, you know, our our charity, my charity is uh, kicked know, into high gear and we're doing everything that we can. And if there's uh, anything well, there's that no better, we can help, no better. There's no better group supporting Israel today than evangelical Christians. I don't speak on behalf of Jews or on behalf of Israel. I only speak on behalf of myself. But thank you. Thank you, evangelical Christians. Thank you, Christians of every stripe in every dimension for being so supportive of of, of Israel. And uh, I hope, I know you will continue to show well, that kind of support. I, I know I took my family almost 10 years ago to uh, Auschwitz and uh, I told my kids to read, read up. They could pick any, anybody they wanted to pick, but they had to be one of the righteous among the nations. And I told them then now is the time to decide who we are. And we stand proudly with Israel and, and the Jewish people. Thank you. Thank you. You know, today is a great day to get a warranty. Actually, any day is a great day when you're not worrying about your appliances and home systems. That's what you get with an American Home Shield warranty. All the unexpected breakdowns like a leaky faucet or faulty water heater, they're not going to break the bank because covered repairs and replacements are all taken care of. Having reassurance is something to celebrate. Choose the plan that works for you and your budget. When a covered item in your home breaks, all you do is contact American Home Shield. Their trusted, qualified pros will fix or replace it based on the coverage limits in your agreement. When it comes to protecting your appliances and home systems, don't worry. Be warranty. Go to ahs.com slash Beck and save 20%. That's ahs.com slash Beck and get 20% off any plan. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. 